0: right now or maybe you're watching this later on in the week. We're excited that you guys have all uh, joined us either in person or you've tuned in online, whatever it might be. And we're excited about part two of a series that we have called The Vow. And we're strengthening, we're we're helping those maybe that uh, are not married yet but want to be married someday. And we're hopefully strengthening marriages through this series. And so I'm excited about that. I want to make mention of one thing really quickly. And that is this Wednesday. We have the opportunity uh, that it just became available to us, but we have the opportunity to serve through the pregnancy center here in town. We're going to be providing a lunch on Wednesday. And uh, so if you want to participate in that and you can make uh, a meal or anything, we have an Impact Ladies Facebook group. I don't know how many of you are a part of that. A lot of you are. But if you did not know, there is one. So you can go find that. Uh, and request to be a member of the group, and they they talk a lot through the group on Facebook. But we want you to to go in there. You don't even have to if you just want to drop the food off maybe beforehand at our house or something like that. You're more than welcome to do that. But we want to give you that opportunity to be a part of what God's doing in our community. And we had this opportunity arise, and so we want to be a blessing. Amen. We want to be a blessing in our community and to the organizations that are around us. And so, uh, like I said today, we are in part two of a series that we have called. The vow, and last weekend we talked about the vow of priority. The vow of priority. If you were here last weekend, uh, maybe you learned something, maybe it was information that you already knew, but you needed a refresher so that you can remember uh, what we said. And I want to tell you these 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 two vows. Those of us who aren't married yet, we said that this is our vow, that I will seek my one while preparing for my two. I will seek my one while preparing for my for my two, and for those of us that are married, we said that this is our vow that God is my one, my spouse is my two. And we talked about the importance of priority that it's not always bad things that can disrupt a marriage or disrupt a relationship or cause problems. Oftentimes, it's good things that are just out of priority. It's a good thing in your life. It's something you enjoy doing. It's people you enjoy hanging out with. A lot of times it's good things that you like to do, but when they're done out of priority, they can cause the most damage in our relationships, especially in marriage. And today in part two, I want to talk to you about this vow. We're calling this message the vow of pursuit. The vow of pursuit. We've talked about the vow of priority. Today we're going to talk about the vow of pursuit. And I want to ask you a question as we get started. Has anybody ever made a complete fool out of yourself in the name of love? Anybody ever done anything that made you look like a complete idiot and it was all in the name of love? I just love them so much. And you look back on it now and you're like, wow, that was really stupid. I don't know why we did that. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I was trying to present myself that way. I don't know what yours is, but I think we can all probably come up with something that we did that was in the name of love because we love somebody, but it made us look like a fool in the process. It made us look like a fool in the process. And I, I was thinking back this past week of something. I was trying to think of all the things, there are a lot of them, so I had to narrow it down to one. <laughs> of things that when my wife and I, when we were uh dating and and engaged and, and leading up to being married, one of the things that we would do is I would I spend a lot of time at, at her house and when I would leave, we would talk on the phone all the way home. Come on, I, I don't know if you've ever been there. We would talk on the phone all the way home. Then I would get home, and we would talk on the phone for hours and hours and hours. After, I mean, like, until late into the night, and I had to be up around 530 at that time for work. And so we would talk, and we would talk, and we would talk. And, and a lot of times, probably 50% of the time, we would fall asleep on the phone. And wake up the next morning and the phone, you know, back in, back then, I'm not that old, but back then, you know, flip phone was the thing, right? iPhone wasn't that big yet. And so flip phone was the thing and the phone would be open on my ear and I would be asleep and I would wake up, you know, and it's like, or maybe you, I don't know what, I don't know what your thing is. That was kind of our thing that I look back on now and I'm like, I don't know what we were thinking. Like, I guess we were just so in love that we had to talk on the phone. Like, I had to see you, and then I had to talk to you, and then I had to fall asleep with you on the phone, and then we had to wake up, you know, and all of this stuff. And I look back on it now, and we had actually even said to each other before we got married that we, could, we would joke about it, and we would say, I can't, we can't wait to be married because when we get married, we'll actually get some sleep. Because we weren't getting any sleep. We were on the phone until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and sleeping for like 3, maybe 4 hours. And then getting up. So I don't know what your thing is. That was one of the things that, that I would say I look back on now and I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. don't know what your crazy story is. Now, as we dive into this vow of pursuit this morning, I want to begin with this thought. And this is where we have to start because you need to understand this before we talk about all of the rest of the stuff. And we're going to have this on the screen, so I want you to write this down. It just says, by nature, we pursue what we don't have. By nature... You and I pursue what we do not have. So there's something we don't have and we want it. We spend a lot of time pursuing it. We spend a lot of time pursuing a different job. Pursuing the right vehicle that we want. Pursuing the person that we want to spend the rest of our life with. Because by nature, we pursue what we don't have. We're intentional to pursue someone when we don't have them yet. But what happens... When you wake up one day and you don't feel the love, what happens when you wake up one day and you're asking yourself questions like, where did the adventure go? We used to, it's like, man, we everything was an adventure. We just went out and did this and it was so much fun and bowling was an adventure, you know, all this stuff. And, and it's like, where did the adventure go? Where did the fun go? Where did the intimacy go? Where did, you know, where did all the, where did the person that I thought I was marrying Go. Where did, where did the relationship that we had in the beginning, where did it go? And if we stop and we look at the root of the problem, we would probably see somewhere along the line that we got our priorities out of order and we stopped pursuing each other. Probably at the root of any question that you're asking like that, well, where did, like, I don't, like, we used to be so close, we used to be connected, and we used to, you know, just finish each other's sentences, and where did, where did the fun go, and where did all this stuff, where did the intimacy go? You could probably trace it back to where at some point along the way, like we talked about last week, something got out of priority, and probably at some point, we stopped pursuing each other, because I had you, and by nature, I pursue what I don't have. So when I got you, I can probably trace it back to at some point where I stopped pursuing in the relationship and think about this for a moment is there any area in your life where you can be lazy and see improvement is there any area in your life where you can be lazy and see improvement we're praying we're praying you know God I just i I really want my business to do good I really want but we're lazy about it like does if can you be lazy about your business and see your business grow or improve? No. Can you be can you be lazy about how you're going to raise your kids and see your kids grow up to know, you know, to know what they need to know and have a relationship with God? You can't be lazy in those areas. Can you be lazy in your body and get in shape? Can you sit around and just eat all the time and never exercise, never work out and get in shape? Can you be lazy? about any area of your life and see it improve can you be lazy about your yard and see it look better no and if you're like me I'm kind of a yard fanatic you know I don't know what you call it but I like the yard to look nice and I know there's some other people in here that I've talked to before that that are the same way and you cannot be lazy with your yard and expect your yard to look good because the weeds will just take over everything You'll be thinking, where'd all the good grass go? Well, it was taken over by the weeds because you were lazy and you didn't tend to it and you didn't do what you needed to do so that your yard could look nice. And that's why I think this statement is so appropriate in marriage. And I've mentioned this before, but it's so good. I want you to write it down again. If the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own yard. <laughs> if the grass looks greener somewhere else, if I'm, if I'm laying in bed at night thinking, where did the intimacy go and where, like, where did the person that I married go and where did the fun go, I don't know where all this went, and I'm beginning to think in my mind that the grass looks greener in other. Well, their marriage looks better than ours, and their relationship looks better than ours. Well, they make me feel they make me feel like I'm important, and the grass looks greener over there. And so, when the grass looks greener somewhere else, how many of you know it means it's time to water your own yard, not jump fence and get into the greener pasture, but if we just take some, come on, the grass is greener where you water it. Not because of who's there. It's where you water the grass, that's where the grass will be green. And so if it looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own yard. And so last week our vow was this. It was that God is my one, my spouse is my two. This week, this is our vow that I want to talk to you about for the next few moments. It's simply this. I promise to always pursue my two. God is my one, my spouse is my two, and I promise to always pursue my my two. Always pursue my two. We took the first vow last week out of Genesis 2.24, and we're going to take the second vow today out of Genesis 2.24 again, and it says this, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. In this way, two people become one. And I didn't do this last week, but I want to break this verse down just a little bit in one word in particular. The beginning of that verse says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. So we see that we see that he's reorganizing his priorities. You know, when you're at home and when you're not married, mom and dad are priority. Friends are priority. You know, all, all these other things have priority in your life. But we see that this is why he, he's leaving his father and mother. In other words, he's rearranging his priorities. And now God is his one or her one. And spouse is number two. And then we see that he's joined to his wife and some translations say united. And I want I don't do this a lot but I want to give you the the root word in the Hebrew for this word that we translate as joined or as we translate as united is this word called debak. Debak. And here's what it means. To cling or adhere. To catch by pursuit. To pursue hard with affection and devotion. To cling or adhere. To catch my pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. And here are just three other verses where this same word is translated into our English language. It's the same exact word, and this is what it says in Psalm 63. It says, I follow close behind you. Follow close is the same translation. Job 41.17. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. Judges 20.45 says they pursued hard after them. They pursued hard after him. Debak, debak To catch by pursuit. To pursue hard with affection and devotion. So we could literally translate the second half of Genesis 2.24 this way. They pursued hard after one another and they became one flesh. They pursued hard after each other and became one flesh. So we reorganized our priorities, and then we pursued hard after each other to become one. It doesn't say we were lazy and just expected God to just unite us and join us together, and we became one and we liked each other for the rest of our lives. How many of you know there's a difference between loving somebody and liking somebody? My wife and I like to talk about this. <laughs> There's a difference in liking somebody. You know, it's 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 one thing to say, I love you. Love is a choice, not a feeling. It's a it's another thing completely to say, but I like you. Not only do I choose to love you for the rest of my life, I still like you. And I don't know how, how long you've been married, but after 10 years, after 15 years, 25 years, 30 years, you, hopefully you want to be at the place where you can say, I love you and I still like you. <laughs> We've been married for 35 years. Then I love you, babe, and I still like you. <laughs> There's a difference between loving and liking. They pursued hard after one another, and they became one flesh. And one of the greatest stories I want to talk about for just a few moments in the Bible about relationship. I love this story. It's a story of pursuit, and it's the story of Jacob and his love for Rachel. Have you ever read the story of Jacob and his love for Rachel? If not, we're about to give you the really appreciated version. Jacob he sees there's there's a man and he has two daughters. One's name is Leah, one's name is Rachel. And Jacob encounters Rachel and the the Bible says the Bible says that Rachel was beautiful and that Leah had weak eyes. So so in in today's translation we could say Rachel was good looking and Leah had a good personality. <laughs> Maybe that puts it in a little bit of perspective for what we're talking about today. This is what the Bible, you should read your Bible. It's awesome. There's a lot of cool stuff in here that you don't know is there. And then you read it and you're like, really? The Bible said that? That Rachel's beautiful, Rachel's good looking, and Leah had weak eyes. Leah has the good personality. So Jacob, he wants to marry Rachel. And Rachel's father agrees. He says, okay, I'll let you marry her, but I want you to work for me for seven years. Before I'll give her to you, I need you to work for me for seven years. And so he does it. And the Bible says that to him it was like just a few days because he was so in love with this woman that working for seven years seemed like it was nothing. It's like it was nothing. And at the end of seven years, the father pulls a little switch on him, and he, and he tries to give him Leah to be buried in. And Jacob's like, hey, what's up now? i all worked for you for seven years to get Rachel. You know, I want weak eyes. I want good looking. I want Rachel. And the father says, the father tells him, you know, in our culture— it's, it's always proper to give the first daughter to be married before the younger. But I'll go ahead, since you're so in love with Rachel, I'll go ahead and give you. Now, sometimes we think, and I've done this before too, we think that, well, the, the father made him work for another seven years and then he gave him Rachel. Mm-mm. The father gave him Rachel and then said, I will go ahead and give her to you, but I want, but you owe me seven years of work. I'll go ahead, because this is what you want, and this is who you're in love with, I'll go ahead and give her to you, but I want you, you, I want you to still work for me. You can still work for me for seven more years. And here's the picture that I want you to see this morning, and you need to write this down, and you need to post it somewhere or whatever if you need to refer back to this story, but it's that Jacob was willing to work for Rachel after he already had her. <clears throat> Jacob was willing to work for Rachel after he already had her. He worked the seven years, and boy, he was just, I mean, he was pursuing with everything he had. I'm going to do this. It seemed like it flew by because he was so in love. When it came down to it, the father said, okay, I'll go ahead and give her to you, but you owe me seven more years. And Jacob was willing to work another seven years even after he had Rachel. And I think this is the perfect picture of what God wants us to do in our marriages and in our relationship. He wants us to continue to work for our two After you already have them, working for your two after you already have them, and what happens a lot of times is that whenever we're first dating that person we love so much, we do everything to pursue them, don't we? We buy them all, we buy them everything they want. (laughs) They mentioned that they like these shoes, and so I'm buying these shoes. I saw them looking on Amazon at this necklace, and so I'm buying them that necklace. We we get them everything like pursuing. I want you. So I'm going to do whatever you want. I'm, 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 Before I pick you up, I'm going to wash the car. And then I'm going to pull up. You know, if your car has a scratch on one side, you're going to pull up on the good side. So that when she gets in, she's getting in on the good side of the vehicle. Because we're pursuing. I'm pursuing you. I don't have you yet. But I want you. And so I'm going to do everything in my power. Everything that you want. Everything that you like. Everything that I can possibly do so that I can somehow get you. And I'm pursuing you. And we do these things because we're after the other person and we're being intentional in our pursuit. And what happens, though, is if you don't continue to pursue in your marriage, things start to go down. Come on, some of us have been there. You don't, you don't continue to pursue in your marriage. You were pursuing, 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 pursuing. We got married and it's like, whew, I'm glad that's over. And everything starts to kind of go downhill from there. And we start thinking, well where did the where did all the fun go? And where did all the where where did all the energy go? And where you know, we used to go out to the movies and then it's like, well we'll go to the late movie and then we'll go eat after that and all this, and now eight o'clock we're asleep. (laughs) Like I don't know where I don't know what happened. It's because we stopped doing those things that we once did. And for those of you, I wanna just throw this in there because I think it's important. For those of you who are not married yet, okay, we did this. I won't make you do it again. We did it last week, and we're trying to help people out. You know, if you're not married, raise your hand and look around, and hopefully, you know, we made some connections last week. But <laughs> so, if you're not married, I want, I want to, I want to say this: if you're in a relationship and there's not mutual pursuit, I would probably reevaluate the relationship that I'm in. So, if everything's one-sided, I would probably now. This is if you're dating, not if you're married. I feel like we need to say that. (laughs) This is if you're not married. (laughs) If you're married, you're married. (laughs) till death do us part, right? But if you're not married and you're in a relationship and there's not mutual pursuit, you might have to take a step back and look at the relationship and think, hmm, okay, let's see what is going on in the relationship. If he's not ever planning a date for you or he's not ever dressing up from time to time, or he's not doing special things for you from time to time, I would say that's probably a red flag. (laughs) If there's not any of that going on, that's probably a red flag. Now, on the flip side of that, (laughs) if you're not writing him a love note every once in a while or telling him that he's cute, come on, somebody. (laughs) And all the men that aren't married said amen. And if you're not doing special things for him from time to time, then I would say that's a red flag. If there's not mutual pursuit in the relationship, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to pursue you and show you how I feel about you, and you're doing what you need to do to pursue me and show me, and I'm taking time, being intentional, I'm planning things out, and we're, we're dressing up for each other, and all these things are going on, if that's not happening, then it might be something you need to reevaluate. And the reason I would say that is because usually when you get married, pursuit does not go up. So if your pursuit level in your relationship is down here and it's just kind of, you know, like this, the reason, we're pre- the reason we're talking about this today is because it doesn't, when you get married, all of a sudden you don't go, whew, let's pursue each other like crazy. Normally what happens is we have to fight from it continuing to go down and down and down and we just get comfortable around each other and now we're not pursuing each other and now we're not doing any of those things that we did before. So just something for those of you that aren't married. To take into account and so how do we how do we practically walk this out how do we how do we do this so here's here's what I think I don't think anybody really gets married and thinks I really hope that my marriage is terrible (laughs) it's the it's the day of your wedding and you're standing there and you're thinking man I cannot wait to get married I hope this I hope it is the worst marriage that anybody has ever seen I really want to get together. Let's get married. I really want to do this. I want to just go all in, and then seven years from now, I want to split everything up, and I want to have the kids on the weekend. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody goes into it. It's like a couple of weeks ago when one of our overseers, Doug Reed, was here. He was saying, because in that phase, if, if, you, heard, if you were here for the marriage conference, he said, in that phase, it's like the same thing as somebody being on drugs. <laughs> we don't see anything wrong with either one of us because we're pursuing each other, and we're in this for the long haul. But nobody, nobody wakes up and just says, I want to have a bad marriage or I want to lose intimacy. Nobody does that. But what usually happens, here's what usually happens. We do have good intentions and we love each other, but life wears us down and we get tired and we get worn out and we get overwhelmed and all of this stuff is coming at us. And then you throw some kids into the mix. Sometimes it adds more on your plate and all of these things happen. And we want to show the love that we feel, but we just don't do it. We want, come on, if you're like me, you want to show the love that you feel for somebody, but it just doesn't come out (laughs) because I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed and I've got a deadline at work and I don't know, you know, I don't even really know what to do and and we want to do it, but we just don't do it. And so I want to give you three simple principles today that you can write down and take with you about closing the gap between our intentions and our actions, we have good intentions to do things for each other. We have good intentions to keep pursuing each other. But how do we close the gap between what's an intention and actually doing it? And actually an action. Three things, and these three things can help us to always pursue our two. Here's number one. When you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it every time. Every time. When I think something good about my wife, I'm just going to say it. Because how many of you know there's a difference in thinking it and saying it? When I think something good, I need to say it. Hebrews three, thirteen. it says, But encourage each other every day while it is today. Help each other so none of you will become hardened because sin has tricked you. And I love this verse because if, if you want to keep deceitfulness out of your marriage... If you want to keep deceitfulness out of your marriage, then when you think something, say it. When you think something good, say it. Because when we just think it and we don't put it out there and don't let the other person know how we're feeling or what we like about them or what we love about them, then it's just all in our mind. And that's where the enemy starts playing on us. And, well, they haven't even told you they loved you in three weeks. Well, I know I love her. But when I think something good, I need to say it. I need to say it. Every time I need to say it. Because we don't ever want our spouse to be starved of verbal affection. <clears throat> now, I want to talk to the men for just a moment, and then I'm going to talk to the ladies. And here's a bit of advice for us men. Pursue her with words of affection. Pursue her with words Affection and to be even more specific, we could say like this pursue her with words of non sexual affection. Some of you are like, Well, he just said sex from the stage. Yep. And it's on the podcast and it's live. Pursue her. Come on, all the come on, all the guys say it with me. Non sexual affection. (laughs) One more time, let's say it again. Non sexual affection. You're gonna get it. And here's why we need to, here's why this is so hard. Because because as a guy, we can make anything sexual. <laughs> we can make anything sex. It's a spiritual gift <laughs> that God gave to men. <laughs> we can't I'm telling you, and let me give you some examples, and you'll think, oh my gosh, he's right. As a man, we can make everything, everything sexual. Everything. Your your wife or somebody <laughs> Your wife or so, your, your, whoever you're in relationship with, they say something to you about, well, you need to get the tires rotated. Here's what we do. Well, I'll rotate your tires. <clears throat> <laughs> Just a spiritual gift. <laughs> you need to. <laughs> you ever, you ever been here? Well, you need to. You need to load the dishes in the dishwasher. Well, I'll load the dishes in the dishwasher. I'm telling you, this is why. You're laughing right now, and hopefully, hopefully you hear everything I say from this point forward. <laughs> but it's it's non sexual affection. And in the in the Greek and the Hebrew, that means non-sexual affection. <laughs> no matter how you translate it. <laughs> non-sexual affection. Because we have this gift that we can make everything sexual, but we need to pursue with affection. And here's a real simple tool that we can use as men to accomplish this. And I think this is a game changer. And this is something I'm trying to start implementing even in my own life. When you say, as a man, and you're talking to the the woman you love, your spouse, your, your wife, and you say, I love you, add the word because and change the ending every time. So instead of, instead of, I love you, I love you, it's, I love you. Because you always put God first. I love you because of the way that you take care of the kids. I love you because you planned something special for us the other night and it meant a lot to me. It's, it's adding, it's saying I love you, adding the word because, and then changing the ending every single time. That can accomplish pursuing her with affection. Words of affection. Ladies, here's something for you. Not as funny, but (laughs) pursue him with words of affirmation. And this is the reason why. Your husband is becoming as you see him as. Your husband is becoming as you see him as. The way that you view him and the way that you speak to him is building him into the man that, that God has called him to be. And here's what we here's here's what I do a lot of times, just to give you a personal example of myself. What I'll do a lot of times is after a Sunday, and I know this to be true, because after a Sunday and church is over and everything's torn down and we get home and and you know, I've preached a message, I'm waiting. I am waiting for Amanda to say something about what the message was like. I'm waiting. And it's like, you know, if there's nothing coming, it's like, you know. So what do you think about today? <laughs> what do you think about today? Was it, was it good? I'm waiting for her to tell me that the message was good. Or that service was good. Or that I did a good job. Or, or, you know, something positive. It's words of affirmation. And that's how I know this to be true. Because if she thinks it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If she thinks that I did a good job... I love you, but it doesn't really matter what you think from that point forward. Because she said that I did a good job. Are you with me? It's words of words of affirmation. Try not to try not to tell him what he's not. And here's the reason why. Knowing what we're not is very defeating for a man. So when whenever we're getting told what we're not, what we're not, what we're not, what we're not doing, what we're not accomplishing, where we're not at, what we haven't done, what we did, all of that, it's very, and and, and it's almost like you could say, like we walked up on a, on a baseball field and we just decided, you know, everybody started telling us that we couldn't do it, we couldn't do it, we couldn't do it, we're not doing it, we're not doing it, we're not doing it, and we just decided, well, I'm just going home. Because I can't, I can't thrive in that atmosphere. Because I am becoming, by nature, I'm becoming as you see me. As not necessarily where I'm at right now, but where you see me as in the future. Even if he's not quite there yet, if you build him up, he'll grow into that man. And what you speak over your husband makes a huge difference. And so I kind of broke down this first point into two questions to help us out. Men, here's what here's what all of that summed up, here's what she wants to know. Do you love me today? Do you love me today? And and ladies, here's what he wants to know. Do you believe in me today? She wants to know, do you love me today? I know you loved me yesterday, but do you love me today? What are you going to do to show me that you love me today? And what he wants to know is, do you believe in me today? Do you believe in me today? So when you think something good, say it. Here's number two. When you think something special, do it. When you think something special, do it. If we could apply this this scripture to marriage, maybe loosely, but it's James 4:17. It says remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. And sometimes we have a thought of something special that we need to do for our spouse or you know the Holy Spirit drops something in. It's like hey, you need to stop and do this or hey, you need to do that or you need to tell him this or whatever. And and we don't do it a lot of times. And I don't know why we why we don't do it. Well, A lot of it probably has to do with the fact that we're not being intentional to pursue each other anymore. But when you think something special, do it. Men, giving the kids a bath. Or sending sending flowers. If she works somewhere, sending her flowers. Or if she's a stay-at-home mom, sending flowers to the house while you're away at work. More than just Valentine's Day. We all know that's probably coming on Valentine's Day. But doing something, and here's, you know, I I put a lot of personal things in here because I wanted you to kind of get the idea and how we're trying to incorporate this in our own life and in our own marriage as well. Because a lot of times what I'll be doing is if I had maybe a meeting in the evening or I've been, you know, out with somebody or there was something going on or it's been a long day or whatever and I'm on my way home, a lot of times I'll have the thought to stop by Paris Coffee, can I get amen? And there are certain drinks there that my wife likes, and so I'll pull in there. And I'll get her a drink, and then I'll take it to the house and give it to her. Because I thought something special, so I did it. I had so, I had a thought to do something special, and instead of just leaving it up here, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And it makes all the difference. If you just think it, but you don't do it, it doesn't count. When I think something special, I need to do it. ladies it could be anything. It could be buying, this is what my wife did for me one year, it could be buying the tickets to the game that he's not expecting. It could be sitting down and you hate sports, but he loves sports, and you just sit down every once in a while, and you take time, and you just sit there and you watch the game with him. Or it could be, you know, it could be fixing him his favorite meal or anything like that. And I remember a few years back, I'm an OU fan. I'm originally from Oklahoma, so I'm an OU fan. I know over in Texas, and that's like, you know, that's awful. But it's all right. Texas is on the rise. You're coming back. It's all good. But, but I'm an OU fan, (laughs) and I don't remember how many years ago it's been. But my wife, we had we had found out that somebody was selling OU tickets. They they were trying to get rid of their tickets because they couldn't go to the game, and we were like, "Oh, that'd be so cool to go." I think that's what I had said. So anyway, my wife went behind my back and bought the tickets, and then we were about 20 minutes down the road on the Saturday before I even knew where we were going. Now, how many of you know? I was pretty excited. Not only because it was an OU game, but it was an OU Florida State game. And any of you that know college football, it was a big game. <laughs> and so I was excited, but she, she thought something special and thought, man, he would love that if I just did that for him. And then she stepped out and she did it. And instead of just leaving it in her mind. She thought something special and she did it. When you think something special, step out and do it. Here's number three. When you want something different, be it. When you want something different, be it. Too many times we're pointing the finger at each other for what the other person is not doing. And I would say two things don't gripe about what your spouse is not, become who God wants you to become. Don't gripe about what they're not doing and what they haven't done for you. And well, you know, because griping, I don't know if you've ever been there, griping does not fix it, and it doesn't help it. But instead of griping about what the other person's not doing, I can focus on me and become the person that God wants me to become. If you want something different, be it. If you're frustrated about the amount of time that your spouse is on their phone in the evenings, then put your phone away and be engaged. And let me tell you what will happen. And you can try it. Eventually, there comes come a moment because what usually happens is I'm frustrated because you're on your phone, and you're frustrated because I'm on my phone, so I'm just going to get my phone out anyway. But when I make the decision to put my phone away, even though you haven't done it yet, and I'm not going to gripe about what you're doing. I'm just going to be an example. And I'm going to put my phone away, and I'm going to be engaged with what's going on at home. And eventually, the other person's going to realize, well, they're really engaged, and I'm not really all that engaged. And it opens, it opens their eyes to see what's really going on. So if you want something different, then be it. If you want something different, be it. We don't criticize our way into better marriage because we can't change anybody else. And those of you that have been married a minute know that. You can't change the person that you're married to. And you may have gone into the marriage and hopefully if you're dating right now and you're thinking about marriage, do not go into your marriage. Thinking that I'm going to change him or I'm going to change her. Well, that really gets on my nerves right now. But when we get married, we'll just fix that. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you can't go into you can't go into marriage thinking that well I'm just going to fix the other person, fix the things I don't like about. Them. Well, I don't really like the way they dress, so I'll just buy them. You know, be my wedding present to them. I'm just going to buy them some new clothes. <laughs> I'm just going to fix them. I'm going to change them because you can't change anybody else. The only person that you can change is yourself. You can't apply this message to your spouse. You can only apply it to you. When you leave today with everything that you've heard, you can't make your spouse do this. But you can make sure you do. And if two people are in a relationship and they're both making sure that if I'm making sure that I'm doing this and you're making sure that you're doing this and we're not focused on what each other is not giving, then all of a sudden we have a successful marriage and we're and we're connected again and there's intimacy again and we're enjoying the relationship again because we're focused on ourselves and not so much on the other person. When you want something different, be it. I want to bring the worship team back up this morning. And I want to ask you this question. What do you think? What do you think? And I really want you to think about this and picture this in your mind. What do you think your marriage would look like? if every time you said something good, or you thought something good, you said it, every time you thought something special, you did it, and every time you wanted something different, you became it? What would your marriage look like? If every time I thought something good, I said it, and every time you thought something good, you said it, and every time I had a special thought, I did it, and every time you had a special thought, you did it. Every time there was something that I wanted to be different, I focused on me and how I can become who God is 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 created me to become. What what would our relationships look like if that was the formula that we live by? If we just did those three practical things, if that was our focus, and I want to leave you each with with these statements today, and then one verse, and then we're going to pray and sing one song, and we'll get out of here. But there are three statements I want you to write down because I believe they can help you. And they can help me. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting, then look at what you're giving. Here's the second one. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. You can't expect to keep doing the same thing over. Two and two always equals four. If you want the answer to be 5, you've got to change the equation. We can't force 2 and 2 to be 5. And we argue, well, I want you to be a 2, and I want you to be a 2, and I want you, but we want 5. We want 5, we want 5, we want 5, we want 5, but you're a 2 and I'm a 2 and neither one of us. 2 plus 2 is always going to be 4. So if 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 there's something that you're wanting different, there's a good chance that you're going to have to do something different. To get that. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. And here's the last one. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, those questions you've been asking, like where did the fun go? Where did the intimacy go? Where did the relationship go? Where did the person I was dating go? Where did all this stuff go? Here's your answer. And another scripture that we can look at, it's written in a different context, but if we can put it in the context of marriage this morning, it's Revelation two five. So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. Remember remember where you like where did it where did it go wrong? If I'm asking these questions, where did it go wrong? If I'm preparing for marriage, how can I how can I be preventative and 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 not allow these things to happen to us when we get married? Where remember where you fell? And then go back and do the things that you once did that had you where you once were. The way that your relationship used to be, there's probably a reason why it looks differently. Today, and why you're asking these questions, it's probably because you're not doing the things that you once did to pursue each other. It's the vow of pursuit. God is my one, my spouse is my two, and I always promise to pursue my two. I'm going to pursue my two. I'm going to pursue my spouse. When I have a thought, I'm going to say it. When I think something special, I'm going to do it. When I want something different, I'm going to become it. And here's the great news. If we stop pursuing each other, we can always start again. It's never, it's never too late. It's never too late for you to start pursuing your two. And if you're not married yet and you're looking at marriage and you're gonna be into marriage here in the next year or two, five years, however long down the road, but you want to be married, then don't 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 forget that what you did to get her or what you did to get him and the pursuit and the intentionality and in what you were doing, you don't want you don't want to lose that when you get married. We're gonna pursue our two. Will you stand with me today? we're going to pursue our two we're going to pursue our two i want to do this for just a moment with every head bowed every eye closed if you're here today and you would say you know what i feel like i feel like today's my day i've never i've never given my life to christ even though this wasn't a message about About that type of subject or about salvation, but you know today the first step for me is to give my life to Jesus Just right where you are I believe Jesus will meet you right where you are. We're not going to bring you down to the front We're not going to call you out We're just going to pray a prayer together as a church in support of all those that are making this decision for the first time And we're going to celebrate with you as you make that decision for the first time But here's what I want to ask you to do if you're here today And you know today's my day and I want to give my life to Jesus I want to give my life to Jesus. Will you just slip your hand up right where you are so we'll know who we're praying for? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. It's amazing. I want us as as a church body all together, I want us to pray together just to celebrate with and to support those that are making this decision for the first time. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for for not staying in the grave. And I believe that you rose from the dead so that I could have life. You took my sins on the cross. So today I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you for saving me. Help me to live for you from this day forward. I receive you into my life. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we clap our hands for those?